activity is to have abandoned themselves to licentiousness, greedy for the fact of every kind of pleasure. That is not the way you learned Christ. For surely you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in where we're at and finding that we are also broken in our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. And we've been confessing different things and that has added to our cross of uh, sin and, and confession through the Lenten season. Well, we come this morning to talk about um, maybe one of the harder, harder ones, at least for me to write a sermon about and uh, to present a sermon about uh, lust. Oftentimes we don't want to talk about lust or sexual sin or, or things like that in the church because we put on our Sunday best and we come to church and we often kind of pretend like we've got everything together. And the reality is that we don't. And so this morning we're going to talk about uh, some stuff that's maybe hard for us to hear and hard for us to uh, talk about. But as we come this morning, will you bow your heads and pray with me? Jesus, we begin by confessing that not all is right in our own lives and in the world around us. And each of us, uh, I certainly play a part in that. As we come and confess to you this morning, we ask that you would um, renew us, renew our minds and our hearts and our lives. Um, as we open up your word this morning, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be pleasing to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I went to a college called Malone University. Then it was called Malone College, now it's a university. Big stuff now. I'm not sure what their attendance has gone up to warrant the, the name change, but uh, they went through that. Malone University. And it was a small Christian college um, associated with the Evangelical Friends. If you're not sure what the Evangelical Friends are, that's kind of the new language for talking about the Quakers. Um, and it was a school similar in size and scope and outlook to Messiah. Uh, so that gives you kind of a picture of what Malone was like. And uh, quarterly, we would have these things called worldview forums. And they were optional activities. Sometimes classes required you to go to a worldview forum. But what they were uh, was an opportunity to bring people of different perspectives together for a conversation. Sometimes they were uh, different Christian perspectives on a topic, on politics or on a social issue. There was 
uh, one that I remember going to different Christian perspectives on reproductive rights and stuff like that. And these were open to the community. These were opportunities for people from the community to come in and be learning and growing and, and kind of just getting a better understanding of different people's viewpoints. Uh, that particular conversation uh, on reproductive rights got quite heated from community people that were coming in and shouting and yelling their opinions. And uh, that's not generally the way those conversations happened. Uh, the students were usually very respectful of um, whoa, the presenters that had come in. All right. Um, one time I remember a Buddhist monk coming in and having a conversation with a Christian uh, professor and talking about similarities in their faith, but also being open and honest about differences in their faith. And it was an opportunity for us to be uh, just growing and, and thinking about things, having a better understanding of the world around us. Well, one of these worldview forums that is kind of seared into my memory is when the school invited uh, this woman to come and share. Um, she was a hedonist, nudist swinger. Yeah. Um, so um, she kind of hit the trifecta. Um, as a hedonist, she pursued pleasure as her ultimate goal, make herself happy in any way that she can. That was kind of what life was all about, just making herself feel good. One of the ways she did that uh, sometimes was she was a nudist. Um, thankfully, she kind of uh, set that aside for a while to come to Malone's campus where that definitely would have broken the dress code because um, clothes were uh, mandatory. Um, so she came and shared. And as a swinger, uh, she kind of believed that a committed covenant relationship might just get in the way of having a good time. So she wasn't really into that. Um, I didn't think of myself as being raised very sheltered, but I had no idea that there were people like that around who um, did those things, thought that that was a good idea. Um, so it kind of blew me away. What I appreciated about that conversation, one of the things that sticks out in my mind, she knew she had come to hostile territory. She had willingly accepted an invitation to a Christian college, and I think she expected to be ripped up and down about her lifestyle. Instead, she was received in hospitality and love as students listened intently. Um, we laughed when appropriate because she shared some things that were hilarious, and she shared some things, um, painted mental pictures I didn't need to have in my head. Thank you very much. Um, but she was shocked at the way she was received in love. Now, there were some honest questions about um, how justice worked in her mind. If everyone is just supposed to pursue what's personally right for them and seek pleasure as the highest goal, what happens when one person's pleasure interferes with another person's rights and life and good? And uh, some of those questions she didn't have great responses to. Uh, but it was a really uh, powerful learning experience for me. 
what she kind of represents in a very drastic way is something that is a part of our culture all over the place. Um, Lust, I think, is seeking pleasure as the highest goal. It's setting that as the thing that you are striving for. That is top, seeking your own fulfillment, pleasure. Lust uses people often as an object, as a, as a means to an end to achieve that pleasure. And this is a part of our world in our advertising, our movies, our news stories. Uh, just in the last month, there's been several news stories that have lust kind of at the, the center uh, of these stories. Uh, singer R. Kelly, um, I said that in first service. I'm not sure how many of them knew who that was. Um, don't, you don't have to go Google that story um, about R. Kelly, but uh, lust is at the center of that. A uh, story about Robert uh, Kraft, owner of the, the Patriots, um, who was uh, arrested, arraigned for being a part of a massage parlor down in Florida. Unfortunately, these stories aren't that unique, and anymore they're not that surprising to us. Unfortunately, everyone seems to know that sex sells all kinds of different things. And in our postmodern society where people decide truth for themselves and they seek pleasure as their highest goal, we need to talk about some things. Of course, pursuing pleasure isn't really a new thing. Uh, the Romans seemed to have that down pretty good. They had a pretty good grasp of depravity when it came to seeking pleasure. And this is the world in which Paul writes this letter to the Ephesians. Ephesus was the fourth largest city in the Roman Empire. So it was a huge metropolitan place. There were all kinds of different temples and theaters and uh, arenas in Ephesus. There was one temple, one of the seven wonders of the world, the temple to Artemis uh, or Diana in Ephesus. Uh, and Artemis, Diana, were one of the uh, fertility gods in the, the Roman and Greek world. They had other temples to the imperial cult where Caesar, Augustus, and, and other later emperors were worshipped as gods. Last week we talked about how uh, Jesus says not to be running after what everyone else is running after. Not striving for the things that the world around us seems to be striving for, but striving for seeking first the kingdom of God. And so in our text this morning from Ephesians, Paul is kind of encouraging them in, in a similar way, saying, look, there's some stuff in this world around you, in this city around you, that's not good for you to be a part of. Paul's telling the Ephesians not to live like the Gentiles in the city. It's interesting, Paul doesn't normally put down Gentiles. He's usually spending a lot more time trying to get Gentiles and Jews in the church to live as one body of Christ. And that is a part of what Paul includes in his letter to the Ephesians. But here he's talking about Gentiles as the way that the, the city, this very Roman Greek city, 
uh, is living and some of the things that they are going after. He says, you're not supposed to be living like that. Paul says, they have given themselves over to whatever feels good. I read from the, the NRSV version, which says, they abandon themselves to licentiousness. When was the last time you used that in a sentence, in everyday speech? Greedy to practice every kind of impurity. The NIV is a little bit more helpful here. Uh, it says, given over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. They are full of greed. To me, it sounds like a lot like the hedonist nudist swinger that came to Malone years ago. But Paul says to the church there, you know better than this. You've been taught in the way of Jesus you know this is ridiculous. Why are you following this way? Paul wants them to put away this former way of living, this old self, to stop living in the old pattern that they had been living in, being greedy, being driven by lust. Instead, he wants them to be renewed, to put on a new self. Just get rid of that old, those old habits, the old things you used to be doing, and strive, put on this new clothing following Jesus. It means following Jesus is more than just saying, I agree with this theological statement. I agree that Jesus is my Lord and Savior up here, but I also live it out. Faithfulness. We live out our loyalty to King Jesus. You know, sometimes we tend to think, that lust, private sexual sin, it only impacts me. It only impacts my heart, my life. But it doesn't impact other people. But Jesus, throughout his ministry, seems to say that, you know what? The way you think about people, the way you are viewing other people matters to me because it impacts more than just you. It impacts your relationship with others. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 30. It says there, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. That's one of the Ten Commandments. And adultery was something that other people were a part of. There were the two people involved in the actual act of adultery, but then there were the families of those people who would be torn apart. But the whole community in the Jewish world was involved in adultery because adultery was punishable by death. And so the whole community would be involved in that judgment and stoning process. Adultery impacted a lot of people. But Jesus says, I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And uh, ladies, I think we're, you're not quite off the hook too. I think Jesus would expand that and be a little more inclusive here. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for the whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. But it is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. Jesus is saying, look, go to drastic measures to get rid of this sin. Get away from it. Our 
thought life, our imaginations are broken and distorted and in need of Christ's healing. Sometimes we wonder, well, why does lust matter? Well, lust is a big industry in the United States. And some of these statistics are from a website called enough.org. I think in your sermon notes, uh, there's a reference there to an organization called Enough is Enough. It's looking at helping the Internet become a safer place for family and for children. And they have a whole bunch of sobering statistics about how pervasive and, and widespread is this lust industry. Over 99% of trafficked individuals trapped in forced sexual exploitation are women. 21% of those trafficked are children. 43% of Americans now say pornography is morally acceptable, according to Gallup in 2018. And church, the statistics on us aren't any better. And sometimes are worse. I understand that for many of us, this idea, thinking, preaching about lust makes us a little uncomfortable. But I think turning a blind eye and not acknowledging the brokenness in the world, but also the brokenness that, that many within the church face day in and day out. It's a temptation that many are drawn to. It's not healthy for us to just ignore problems in our own life together. But here's the real issue for me when it comes to lust. Lust is about seeking pleasure as the highest goal. And you start to use people to get there. All of us are created in the image of God. That's out of Genesis. The fancy term there, theological word, is the imago Dei. We are all created in the image of God. And in a small way, each of us reflects the, the beauty and the artistry and the love of a creator God. And when we start to view people as a means to an end, when, when that person on the other side of the screen is an object to fulfill my need, I no longer see them as an image of God. They're, they're just helping me feel good. And I stop valuing people created in the image of a loving God. We turn people into objects to satisfy the, de the desires that we have, and we don't honor the personhood of the other. And the lust culture industry in the United States has done serious damage to the way we value other people, but also to the way we value our own body and personhood. Men and women on both sides of screens, on both sides of trafficking, have messed up images of themselves and others. So pornography, 
changes the way I see another human being. But it also distorts and, and warps the way I see myself. And then we start to act differently with one another. We stop valuing the image of God and the other. So I wonder how can we live differently? And how can we, uh, like Paul said, put away our former way of life, our old self that is corrupt and deluded by its lusts? Well, one of the ways might be a little awareness of the issue and how it affects people around us. I encourage you, if you have an opportunity later today, to go to enough.org and look at, at how they're trying to uh, raise awareness but also make the internet a safer place. As, as a parent, man, internet is a hard place because there's so much good. They can l kid, My kids like learning a lot of different things, and, and then the other month we were like, oh, YouTube kids, we've got that on our TV. That'll be safe, and it's not. <laughs> so this is an organization trying to wa raise awareness and, and, and uh, holding industries and companies um, accountable. We can support victims of the lust industry. In your bulletin is a little flyer from an organization called She's Somebody's Daughter. This is an organization that tries to go in and, and rescue and, and be with women who are part of the um, lust industry, porn, uh, strippers, all kinds of different venues where they meet these women, and to provide them with genuine, real community, to become someone in these women's life who says, you are a valued human being created in the image of God. You're not just an object to be used and abused. We want you to know that you are loved and cared for. Now, this organization isn't in New York or L.A. or Las Vegas where we tend to think that's where those kinds of things happen. Their home base is in Lemoyne. And they have different offices around central Pennsylvania. It's a real issue that impacts our community. The other thing that I think can change for us as a church is to begin to open up conversation and confession and accountability with one another. You know, we don't do accountability and confession real well sometimes in the church because we put on our Sunday best and the smile on our face and we come and we pretend everything's all right. And, and we have a hard time letting other people in. We don't build relationships with one another where we can really speak into each other's lives. Not as a way of condemning one another, but as a way of hearing as a way of supporting, as a way of cheering one another on in our journey with Jesus together. We need to support one another. 
We need to spend time building genuine, caring relationships with one another so that we can speak truth and love into each other's lives. Often as a church, we operate under the see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil kind of principle. We just want to pretend that those things like lust, like pornography, and, and, and these other sins that we w- don't want to talk about, we just want to pretend that they don't exist. And so if we never preach about it, if we never have a lesson about it, it must not happen. So as uncomfortable as maybe you have been this morning, and as uncomfortable as I was kind of writing this sermon, it's something we need to talk about and confess and be aware of. We can't just be like the ostrich sticking our head down in the sand, pretending things don't exist that do. We have been working on confessing some different things. And so if you have your uh, bulletin, pull out the black strip of paper that's in there. And uh, I have two questions for us to, to think about this morning and respond to. The first one is this, when have you turned a person into a means to an end? You've had some goal, some objective, and you have used someone to get there. And you haven't worried about how that impacts them, you've used them. It could relate to lust or pornography or something like that, but there's other ways that we use people too. The second question is this, what former way of life do you continue to cling to? We all have old habits, things that, man, we know it's not right, that's that's the way we used to live, but we just can't seem to let it go. Jesus wants to free us and rescue from us, uh, from those things as well. Take just a moment. Anybody need another? In a few seconds here, we will uh, close our time in worship. And we're going to be singing um, uh, kind of an updated hymn. The words start, When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died. My richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. We will be coming and putting our confessions here at the cross. And I hope that as a result of this morning that we might begin to live our lives differently. To leave this place and be striving to follow Jesus, to seek his kingdom a little bit more this week. Praise team, would you come up this morning?
As we sing, I invite you to rise and body your spirit and bring your stuff, confession, brokenness to the cross this morning. Yeah. Okay. 